Welcome to the show. This is Casting Nets. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm here with Pastor Dave Endorf. As we gather today, we are missing one of our crew, as Pastor Dave Rudat. He is uh, on his way, or as maybe even in right now, getting some tests run to, to see how his health is doing, to make sure that he's up and ready to to continue his serving in, in the Lord's kingdom. And so we do wish him the best as he's going through those tests uh, to figure out why he's having such pain that he had been having earlier. Earlier this week. As we gathered though today, he has given us the blessing. In fact, he even worked on the background that you see here on the page. Um, so he was he was still thinking about the show, thinking about everybody who is here, and uh, he wanted to not let our viewers down and the people that that actually watch the show. Um, so he put things together so that we could uh, have an opportunity to have a conversation with you. And so before we do that, <clears throat> I think maybe we should have our disclaimer. Do you want to go through the disclaimer for us, and then we'll jump on into the topic? Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and do the disclaimer. So uh, what you'll hear with today is not necessarily the opinion of our congregations or our synod, and sometimes it's not even our own opinion because we screw up. And it's meant to be the beginning of the conversation, not the end. And so if you are offended by something, please reach out and talk to us. <clears throat> and, and hopefully we can figure out where we went wrong. <laughs> because we do want to talk about it. And our, our goal is to just share God's word and to help people understand it. And uh, we'd love to talk about it because we love talking. That's why we're pastors. And... As we continue to talk about it, we grow in faith and love for one another. But also, we'd love for you to give us a review and to give us a four-star review, not five, because if you do five, our heads will get too big and explode because they're big enough as it is. But if you do share and give us a review, that'll help other people find us. That is the best Disclaimer, I think we've ever had. There you go. Thanks. All right. Thank you for joining us and staying with us here as we have now transitioned into the main part of the show. Um, we have uh, always room for improvement. So, you know, he, this is how much Pastor Dave Rudat um, loves this show. He's actually he's in the middle of doing things that he needs to do for his health, but he's still here um, actually listening to the show. So we've we've got to bring our caliber up. We've got to uh, bring our game up so that we don't disappoint him. On, on what we talk about. Um, but as we talk today, we're kind of starting a new uh, avenue. So if you've been with us and you've been kind of hearing what we've been talking about as we've been been going through our um, last couple of shows, we've been dealing with, with some issues. Uh, last show we dealt with the canonization of the scripture. We've dealt with um, you know, some of the differences that we have um, as, as a church as compared to some of the other um, organizations and, and people in the world. And so we decided that we were going to create kind of a series that, that really pursues the idea of what's the difference anyway. So, you know, we call ourselves Lutheran. We, we, we follow, um, you know, the Book of Concord. We subscribe that, that this is the, the norm that it takes itself from the Scriptures, which is the ultimate authority. And, and what does this mean? So when we're, we're up against the different religions in the world, when we're up against the different Christian religions in the world, what's the difference? You know, why, why is there a difference anyway? And we didn't really want, and, and this, was, this was very, very wise, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Pastor Dave Endorf, you were the one that was the words of wisdom that said, let's not just attack other churches. Because that probably wouldn't go over very well uh, and, and attack just other um, religious beliefs. Um, but instead, maybe let's go back to the core, right, of, of some of the wide-sweeping 
beliefs that have come about in the world. And maybe look at some of the heresies that have even attacked the church. And then maybe take a look at where some of those heresies have, have hung on in different church bodies and, and, and really focus on the differences that those things have created. And, and we all thought that was a pretty good idea. And so we decided to start at the very beginning, probably the oldest heresy that there is, um, the oldest heresy that, that at least I could figure out, um, and that is the heresy of dualism. So the idea of, of um, two, what we would probably say polar opposites having to exist um, in, in our thoughts and in our minds, um, uh, trying to avoid one at the expense of the other, or, uh, you know, this battle that, that has to remain for us to be able to, to be able to live into this world. And so dualism is, is this first great enemy of the cross. Um, you want to jump on in and give any information, maybe start us off with, with your ideas on, on dualism. Maybe a first definition would probably be a way to go. Let's, let's maybe go that way. And so as we're looking at, at dualism, it's this idea that there is, you know, a good and an evil, a light and a dark. There are two separate but equal beings or ideas or powers that have to exist. You know? And so it, it, you would think of God and the devil, not where one is God and one is a created being on two very different planes, but being co-equal. And, and this is the problem. Um, it's the kind of thing where you'll find a, a lot of popular self-help, a lot of popular talk shows go down this path. And so it, it's very much an influence both inside and outside of the church today. But, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. And, and I think sometimes we... we um we cloud it with memes, don't we? Or these little simple ideas of you don't know how sweet or how good you have it until it's gone. Or, you know, um, you, you, you have to go through the bad and then you can see and value the good. You know, that idea that there's, there's these two opposing forces that have to be together. Um, you know, you can't have the light without the darkness. You can't, you know, you don't know, um, that that those kind of ideas where they oppose each other where where um you almost want to seek a balance so that you can be balanced in your life but there's times where you're like I want to get rid of the one and so you pose them against each other and you try to avoid the one over the other um and I think this is this like you like you had said it comes into the religious aspect because you see it with the idea of satan being a more powerful person or figure in religion than he is, uh, or, or is meant to be. Um, but you see that in the Eastern religions with the idea of the, the, um, the yin and the yang, right? You have, they have the good and the bad and they, they're balanced each other out and you you got to try to find that balance. Um, you see that in, well, in the garden of Eden, I, I think, um, you have that. I, um, you have the idea of the very tree placed in the middle of the garden. You brought this up right before the pre-show, you know, that that tree is this perfect idea of Satan trying to tempt us with this idea of dualism, right? Oh, yeah. And and so the, the name of the tree is meant to be a warning to Adam and Eve. You know, you will, you will have the knowledge of good and evil. You will... And that knowledge is an experiential knowledge. You'll experience evil. You already know good by experience because you have perfect love for God and for each other. You have the perfect creation that you enjoy. But when you eat of that tree, you will experience evil. The warning is right there in the name of the tree. you know. And, and Satan says, that's going to make you like God. You know, you're going to have good and evil, and that's going to make you like God. You're going to have both of those things. And and that's the lie. That's the bill of goods that he sells to Adam and Eve, being like God, having the 
both of those things. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, we know that that really the idea of experience is is the kicker, right? And, you know, experiencing something bad in your life and, and Satan almost paints that as this is a good thing. You don't know how good you have it until you can experience the bad, right? You need to know in a firsthand nature what the bad is. Um, they knew what the bad was. You disobey God, it's bad. That's that's bad. What more what more do you need to know other than the fact that they had not experienced? And even though and, and I would even say that that I mean, you see the initial lie of Satan in the very garden because God has never experienced evil. God has never conducted any and done anything evil. So so God has never never experienced it in the way of I had like God has done evil things. Um, and this is this, I think that's a very important distinction where, where you see the, this lie and how insidious that lie was in the very beginning where, where Satan almost paints this picture to Adam and Eve. Uh, he does paint the picture to Adam and Eve that, that even God himself has experienced and done evil things. And therefore he knows the good that he wants to do. So it's, it's pitting that evil versus the good. And he's saying, if you want to be like God, you then have to follow that footstep. You have to experience evil things so that you can understand and, and grasp the framework of good. And and that's what the author yeah. to the Hebrews picks up on. Right. You know, the that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way, just as we are, but was without sin. And that's why he can really help us. Because he never succumbed to that temptation. He never sinned. He never failed. Right. And that's why his death on the cross can save us. And and yeah. I think that's, and it's beautiful that the scriptures use the word sympathize, not empathize, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and maybe a squibbling with words, but, but, you know, the idea of empathy means I am, I have gone through it with you. In other words, I have, I've had the same thing happen to me. And now we're, you know, we're in the same boat. Whereas the sympathize is the idea of, I understand, I have not fallen to that temptation. I have not done what you've done, but I understand the pressure. Mm -hmm. And and so you have this, and that's a beautiful image of the Savior where he does exactly what Adam and Eve should have done, but never did, which was, I don't need to experience evil to know the good uh, that I receive and I have. Um, but it's that beginning of the, of, of that, that, Really, the enemy of the cross is this idea that that evil must be here for us to understand good. That that we cannot fully understand what what good is and what God is unless we we have experienced evil. And and so this right out of the gate, you have this this um this idea of of two worlds that must coexist together. And and I'll throw a, out a a real world example of of how this messes up society, you know, that you have to uh, fool around before you get married in order to find the right one. Yeah. And real world experience shows that that is the worst way to find a spouse because it, it leads to all kinds of, of problems for, right. um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, babies born out of wedlock, you know, messed up relationships. And then when you do finally get married, all kinds of problems in that marriage. But it also doesn't tell you what you find, what you need in a relationship. You know? and, and so it's that idea of, well, I got to experience it and, and these problems before I get married. And it's no you, you want to find a good spouse, husbands, find a wife you can love like Christ loved the church. That's what you're looking for. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that idea of dualism, you see it in, in the political sphere as well, right? You, you see um, the idea of when you get into politics, you get that, that idea of, of people being convinced that you have to play the game, right? There's, there's, you're going to, you have to, you have to give a little to get a little. Um, you know, there's, there's that idea of you, you got to take the good and the bad and you got to play that idea of, of the good and the bad against each other to find that perfect balance. And, and you can't have all good 
because that would make things unbalanced. You got to have that that bad that counteracts it. You know, um, you know, I'm gonna have to vote for this this bill so that I can get that bill um, passed. And you have this 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 battle between this good and and this bad that just is seen everywhere in the world. And I think it's seen in the church um, in some horrendous ways. And you had been bringing that up and. And I guess I hadn't really, I've been thinking more about the different heresies that, that later on we'll maybe get more in depth into, but, but um, I was thinking more in heresies that, it, that can flow from some of these, but you had brought up just this beautiful, this beautiful image. And I think we should take some time to talk about it. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about it now. I think we had it at point five, but I, I think we should bring it, I think we should bring it up sooner if that's all right with you. Okay. Um, and, and that's the idea of, of, um, how would you want to phrase it? Divine necessity versus, um, I had it written down. No, sorry. You had it, you had it written. Um, yeah, the divine necessity, right? Or the soft dualism. That's it. That's it. Soft, soft dualism, yeah. soft dualism. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have a bunch of things going on in my head. Soft dualism. Soft dualism. So there's this kind of idea out there that in dealing with the problem of evil, you know, why do bad things happen? You know, that that makes God very passive in his rule of this world. You know, that that God just kind of lets evil people wander around and and, and do whatever they want to do and occasionally steps in and, and uses it for your good. And so it, it's meant to absolve God of of blame and responsibility and and put all of that blame on the evil people. But it's really robbing God of his authority and, and his glory by marginalizing him and, and putting him on a on a shelf. Um, but it, it people can do it to make themselves feel better. Oh, it wasn't God who did this. It was some evil person. It was Satan. God will just use it for my good. Right. And it, I call it a soft dualism because... You know, they're not really trying to make God and Satan or God and, and evil people co-equal, but that's where it ends up. Right. Where this had to happen, because if this didn't happen, then the good wouldn't have happened. That kind yeah. of idea. And, and and I think you've seen that. And, and I don't, I, I, like I said, I don't want to point fingers at necessarily one group or one, one specific church over another specific church, but, but you see that you do see that in the, in the reformed, right? I think a lot where, where they, I've heard stories and you watch on the internet when you see some of those testimonials and things where they'll say things of, I needed to go through this so that I would be where I am today. And, and you, you hear a lot of that where I needed to go through this stage of my life where I did these things and, and this happened. Otherwise I would not be here. I would not have met who I met. And I, and the list can go on and on and on. Right. That, that um, they're looking at how God took those bad things, which he did. He took those bad things and he worked them for his good uh, and for the glory of his name, which is exactly true. But they're saying, well, those bad things had to happen for God to have worked this way. And some of that, you know, we, we we say, you know, with true repentance, you know, that if I were not as, as stubborn and foolish as I am, you know, God could have gotten through to me in easier ways than sure. he did. Um, and, and so I'm I'm thankful that sometimes God will whack me upside of the head and and use hardships and difficulties. Sure. But, you know, he, he does that very actively and very involved, you know, using one sinner to punish an, another sinner in, in discipline as a loving father. You know, there's nothing passive about it. And that's what we appreciate. Well, and I don't think that he necessarily needed to do that in other than the fact that our sinful nature needed to be put down. Exactly. And and I think yeah. I think this is where where that soft dualism like you said has 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 creeped in because we start and like you were saying we don't want the blame. And so we we find these other things that we we cast the blame on and we say well they have to be pitted up against the good and that this good wouldn't be as good as it is if it didn't have this coming before it. 
And the idea of the that that idea is just faulty on itself, just for the simple fact that you're a sinner and your sin has to be put down because yeah. you're evil. You you are the evil. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, let's let, okay. So if you want to say there's good and there's evil, okay. Well, after the fall, mankind is the evil. Mm-hmm. That 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 is what we are. So so we are not God. We're not the good. We are not. We are we are the furthest from where we want to be, and so in some way we have to be put down, and and so, you know, in in Lutheran theology, um, and according to biblical truth, what puts us down? Well, the waters of baptism put you down. <laughs> the waters of baptism bury you in Christ, right? You, your your sinful nature dies with Him, and and the new man rises with Him. So so now you've been changed. Well. When you live in a culture, or you have a um, you have a a a religious framework that downgrades that gift of God's grace working in that way, you now have to look outside of that gift to try to find another way for God to do the same thing. Yeah, and then you get this idea of that soft dualism, right? Absolutely, and that's how God wants to work. You know, everything else is in as baptism. Puts it, in baptism, alien. not in the soft, not in the soft. <laughs> he wants to work in baptism. Yes, he he wants to work through the means of grace. He yes. wants to work that way. A- everything else is, you know, the alien work of God. Right. You know that he is willing to discipline. He is willing to use the law, but he wants to. And and it is only when I am stubborn and hard-hearted that he is um, firm and draws the line. Right. But even that I appreciate because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom yeah. I am the worst. Well, and 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 I agree with you. You are the worst. <laughs> I would agree that we all are. And, but the beauty part about this, and, and, and I, I go back to the Old Testament, and, and I, I kind of just, you do a cursory, you just do a, a cursory read through the Old Testament, right? Um, and you have uh, Moses, who is, is leading the people, and they're going to come to the promised land, and he, they send in the spies, right? And the spies are like, this land is the greatest land. It's flowing with milk and honey. There's so many opportunities. This is wonderful. But there's a bunch of big people up there, and this isn't going to work, and this isn't this, and and we're all going to lose, and we're all going to die. Let's just run away. This is not a good good thing. And so the Lord disciplines them, and he says, okay, you're a rebellious nation. We're, we're going we're gonna to weed you out, and then we're going to send the other ones in. And they go in, and they receive those promises, right? They, they, they enter into the promised land, and it's flung with milk and honey, and it's, all, it's, it's great, and this is good. And the warning that, that uh, Moses gives before the transition of power and, 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 and Joshua takes over is like, you're going to get there. You're going to have all the good things that God promised, and then you're going to say, we did it ourselves, <laughs> and you're going to forget God. Yep. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And they get in there, and they and do they that. Do <laughs> and then the Lord comes and He disciplines them again, right? Not because, not because the discipline needed to be there for God to be good, because He already gave them the good. It's because yeah. they forgot <laughs> how the good got there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and yep. repeat. Um. And 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 that's our life, right? Our life is. No, God doesn't need the bad for him to give you the good. God gives you the good. I mean, you, you saw that in creation. He created everything perfectly. They had everything. I mean, they were given the, the not only the skills, the ability, but the command. Go and subdue the world. Conquer it. You know, um, live in this. This is yours, and, and you can have it for free. And, and then they're like, no. You know, they, they introduced the bad because we can't see how good we have it unless we have the bad. That's not how that worked. You had yeah. it. You had it good. And so I think that soft dualism and, and is an important part because I think that's very much has infested our, our world today. But I think I think it also a more full blown dualism has infested our world. And I think you have those those supreme opposed powers. Right. And, and this, this kind of leads us into this other idea um, that is there, and and um, one of the one of the kind of um, 
thoughts that have come out of dualism is this idea of Gnosticism. And, and I think we need to have a whole entire program probably dealing with Gnosticism in and of itself. But Gnosticism had this idea that there were, there were in, in each individual really two opposing powers, right? There was the flesh, that was the sinful aspect that always wants to lead us to do things that feel good and want to lead us down this idea of what is the easiest to get through life. And then there was the, the secret knowledge that unlocks the spirit, right? And then that, that idea of I, there was something deep inside of me that I can unlock and then I can conquer my flesh um, and I can be something else. And that's that, uh, th- those, our, those powers of dualism as well being at play. Um, the early Greeks believed this too, flesh bad, you know, the, the, the spirit good. Um, that idea, the, the scriptures, um, Paul throughout Romans um, talk about that body spirit or the flesh spirit uh, combating each other, um, that idea. So maybe do we want to have a concept or a, a conversation about what this idea is and how, how kind of dualism played its way into that, even though Paul wasn't saying both are, you know, that, that the, he wasn't, he wasn't teaching dualism, but how did it get misconstrued? Well, and I think you see how it's misconstrued even in society today and, and with people today and what they struggle with, you know, they, they have a blessing and they feel guilty that God blessed them because they kind of feel like I should be poor and everybody should live like John the Baptist. And if I don't live out in the desert wearing a hair shirt, I'm somehow doing something wrong. Eating you locusts. Know, eating locusts and, and wild honey. Yeah. You know? and, and they forget examples like Abraham, where God blesses people with physical gifts because God made us body and soul. And, and we're not saved because we suffer in the body. We're saved because... Jesus suffered on the cross to pay for our sins. And, and so that's, you know, how people misconstrue it today that, um, you know, it, it's not this second path to heaven or something like that, that we have to suffer here on earth. It's God wants to bless you spiritually and physically. Uh, it's sometimes there, you know, those blessings conflict and God prioritizes spiritual blessings. Um, but uh, where was I going with this? I, I think I, I think where you were going, and maybe I was wrong, it's the idea that that they're not always in competition against each other. I mean, even even Paul when he says, you know, the flesh yearns for, right? It's true, the flesh does yearn for more of the sinful nature. Uh, it's it's easily led astray because it doesn't want to hurt, um, but that doesn't mean that it can't be brought into line. That these things aren't still good. Um, God did not mean for man to be separated, as, as if we have to escape this world um, so that we can be fully better. Um, you know, He redeemed the body too. He and and there's a beauty to that. Yeah, and 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 that's where I was going because in order to do something, God pleasing in order to do something positive you have to have the flesh in order to serve your neighbor in order to to take care of your kids in order to honor your parents you know these are things you do with the flesh you know how do you feed your neighbor without you know giving them food right you know how how do you how do you keep them warm without giving them a jacket how do you how do you pay your taxes without a job to to pay your taxes from all of those things require the flesh and so when we're talking about you know the this idea that somehow if we can separate from the flesh we're going to reach a higher more god pleasing state you know that completely misunderstands how we please god right and we please god keeping his commandments by doing the things he told us to do in the first place because that's what pleases him. And and we do that because we already are saved, because he already loves us in Christ. And that's what we have to, you know, that's what we focus on as believers. 
And so it's not a matter of getting away from the flesh and going and living in a cave in the wilderness. It's a matter of recognizing, you know, who we are in Christ. And and what you'll hear sometimes is, is pastors saying, um, show me your, your checkbook and I'll, I'll tell you how much you love God. And, it, and it's kind of like, don't say that. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, the parent who's writing a check to to pay their kids sports fees because they want their kid to be healthy and and active is doing something that's good and god pleasing and god loves that as as much as the the next line of uh this is a donation to the church sure and and that's something we've always got to keep in mind it's not like one is more god pleasing than the other yeah and, and that's a problem with dualism. Yeah. And I think, and I, and I, I really think that, that this problem between flesh and, and the spirit becomes an issue and, and dualism kind of grabs onto this like the Gnostics did. And, and even sometimes in our own, in our own religious faiths, because we'll say, you know, I can't control what my body does, but you know, I'm, my heart's with the Lord. Um, and, and they'll say that kind of, you'll, you'll hear that sometimes. I think we have to, keep in our mind that that in in creation god god made body and soul together right i mean let's go back to creation and look at the example god didn't didn't create um adam and eve as these floating around souls and then all of a sudden they they ate this mystical fruit and they gained a body out of sin (laughs) i mean there's it's not how that works they they are flesh and blood and spirit i mean they are there's their soul there um all in one as they're a part of this and that means something that that sin is not and maybe maybe I'm going um, off on a different tangent but but sin is not it is not so intrinsically part of us that if it was not there we would not be us we would still be us yeah. We would still be people. We would still be. We would still have our bodies. We would still have our arms and legs. You know, we would have all those things. It it is, it is not a. It is not a, an essence of man, and woman. Right. It is a characteristic, a, a, a deeply ingrained characteristic, yep. um, but it is not part of our essence. So it's not a part of who we are. And so to look at it and approach it and say, well. Our flesh has to do bad things so that our spirit will recognize good things and want to strive for better. No, that's <laughs> no. We do bad things and our spirit does bad things and we think bad thoughts and, and our hearts are in bad places because we are sinners and because that is a characteristic that is that is deep down tainting our our part of what God created. That's just what it is. Now God can remove that. And we are still people and we'll still be who we are. And and see, this is the other part about dualism that, that causes problems in the church. You know, this idea that, that somebody might do something, but they're, they're not really a bad person. They're still a good person. Yeah. And I I remember, you remember Albert Hainsworth, uh, defensive tackle for the Washington Redskins. He, He stomped on a guy's head during a football game. But not on purpose. Well, on purpose. <laughs> it was pretty intentional. But he, the, his apology afterwards was, it's not who I am. I'm not the type of guy who does that. You just did that. You are the type of guy who does that because you did. Yeah. You know, but that's where dualism will get you is, um, oh, yeah, I may have. I may, I may have, I may do bad things, but I'm not a bad person. I'm, I'm good at heart. And what does Jesus say? It's out of the, the heart that come, right? All of these bad things, you know. And, and Jesus didn't die for people who, you know, just have surface problems. Jesus died for sinners, who are the problem. Yeah, and 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 so yeah. when you, when you. When you downplay, you know, sin and make it just that that surface thing, you know, like chalk dust, you can just brush off. You're downplaying the cross and, and you're making 
Christ's sacrifice into into nothing because he didn't really die for much. And 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 that's one of the problems with with this dualism that says Oh, at your heart, you're really a good person. And that's kind of the opposite end of dualism that says, yeah, the spiritual is good. Well, and I think even in, and I've heard this said before too, and and maybe you have as well. um, Sometimes we'll say, you know, I did bad things, but I'm not a bad person. But sometimes they'll even say, it wasn't me who did it. That was, you know, Satan did that. That was, and then... You know what I mean? They offload it on somebody else, and now it's you know it's the great powers in the in the world. You know, um, you know God and Satan are fighting, and He just used me as a tool to do that. Um, and they they try to off put what really happened. Satan made me do it. Yeah. No, I think you did it yourself. I mean that that like you said, you know that comes back down to we we don't need someone else pulling our strings as a puppet. We we're perfectly capable of making the bad choices all on our own. And I think that brings up, you know, the the idea of, um, and and maybe where we we want to kind of round out where we want to go, um, answering the question: Does God need? Because I have I, heard it said. I have heard it said, and I, and I and I'll let you comment. But I had heard it said that God needed evil. God needed Satan. God needed sin in the world, so that His Son could die. Somebody didn't read Romans. I totally agree, but but I've heard it said. I've heard it said well, all these things needed to be there so that God could die, so that God could be the martyr for us, so that you know that so that God could could come in and be the hero, and so He needed all that to happen for this to happen. Yeah, as if God has this hero complex of right. Um, yeah, and so they're picturing God like that firefighter who starts a fire just so he can put it out. And the reality that they're missing there is, you know, that God loved us. And and because God loved us, he was willing to create Adam and Eve and to put up with Adam and Eve and and be patient and endure until just to the right time so that Jesus could be born under the law to die for those and redeem those under the law. And and so it wasn't because, you know, he wanted to put out the fire. It's because he wanted to save us. And and there's an infinite amount of difference between God's desire to save us and God's desire to be a savior. And and that's the object of salvation, us. Well, I think there's also a a vast difference between, and and, and in there, there's a vast difference between God, um, not only his desire to save us or his desire to be a savior, but which he doesn't desire to be the savior, he desires to save us. And you, you painted that very clear. But I think there's a difference, though, then also in the sense that God didn't need God didn't need evil and sin and bad in the world to be God. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing. God didn't need to create anything. God didn't need a world. Right. He could have, for all eternity, simply existed without creating anything because he is sufficient in and of himself. I need to do things. I need to make things because otherwise I'll starve to death. Otherwise I'll get kicked out of the parsonage. Otherwise, you know, my wife will make fun of me. You know, um, God's not that way. Right. And and that is one of the things about God and the vast difference between us and God that people have a hard time understanding and, and grasping because God is not like us. God is not just a more powerful version of us. God is not a superhero. He's not a person who got powers. God is fundamentally different from us. And there's a divine necessity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, 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 he does not rely on anyone other than himself. I mean, he promises according to himself. 
and he 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 lives and and acts according to his his own law and his own um he doesn't bounce it off of somebody and and i think there's there's just the reality that god would have been god and god would have been gracious and god would have been merciful and god god would have been who god is whether or not we had sinned yeah he he did not need satan to do what satan did in tempting adam and eve he does not need us to fall into sin for him to give grace he doesn't need he doesn't need us walking ourselves into horrible situations so that he could react and say ha now i have an open door that i can come in and, and i can rescue them he doesn't need any of that and 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 that's what the means of grace are the means of grace are very beautiful which se- separate us when you want to talk about a difference between the lutheran church and other churches and and I would say that um, you have the means of grace in the Catholic Church. You have they're there, <laughs> um, and and is, they've added things that aren't. But that's a, a conversation for another time. But where the means of grace are, the means of grace are is God acting in the world without having to have anything else put happen for Him to be able to act. He's just he's he's just acting in the world because that's who he is. And and so the means of grace, you know, it is water applied with word for the salvation of people. It, it, you have you have the word itself from the lips of one sinner to the ears of another sinner, God working in the heart. Um, he didn't need. Right. Um, and if if no one was there to pronounce it, the rocks would cry out. Why? Because he, he doesn't need bad to happen for good to be applied he's just good that's just who he is um you have the sacrament of the altar right you have the lord's supper um god reaches through heaven through time and space to give himself um but i need to be a sinner before i walk up there no He just gives himself. You are a sinner. I'm not saying you're not, but he didn't need you to be a sinner to to give himself. He just gives himself. Um, and that's that's the beauty of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and that's where um I, I think we look at the absolution too, that you know when when we pronounce the absolution, we're we're forgiving people not just because they sin, but because they're they're sinners. Right. And and so during the week, um you know, when 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 they sin, it's how could God forgive me? Well, you were already forgiven for being a sinner. How how much, you know, this little sin compared to being a sinner, God's got that covered too. And, and that's part of the, the thing about, um, you know, how dualism can be misleading. You know, if it really were a struggle between good and evil being equal, you, you would have to worry, is is evil going to win? And, and it would give you fear and, and doubt and, and confusion. And it does. Right. Because if if there's if there has to be balance, you know which side is the balance going to come out on? You right. know, is this the side where Darth Vader rises? Because you know that's you got to have balance, or is this the side where you know he throws the Emperor down the pit? Because right, got to have balance. Yeah, yeah. The balance and, of the force isn't a thing in 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 the church. In reality. In reality. Yeah. 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 It's that other side. It's the other side, right, of saying that, you know, we like to say where there's light, there has to be darkness, right? Where there's light, there has to be shadows. No, there doesn't. Yeah. No, there isn't. You you no. can just have light. Yeah, and, <laughs> and there is simply God who is forgiving, cleansing us from our sins. Yep. And, and that's the relationship between good and evil, that it was conquered at the cross, and, and it was made a mockery of at the cross and it was declared defeated at the empty tomb and so we look ahead to Christ coming in glory and that's what the advent season is about yeah well it's also the it, it's like i just had that conversation earlier today the advent season is also just like the christmas lent 
Um, why, why did that babe in the manger have to be born in humility? Oh, not because he needed um, to find that balance between the good and the bad. It's because you needed him to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he, he signed up for a cruise or something, and so he wanted to try it out. Yeah, it's not like God said. the world for a spin. <laughs> yeah, you know? or, or it's not like, you know, I am sh- I'm just so happy that mankind fell into sin and we had to— we had to punish them with death. You know, we had to follow through with that. But I am super happy that they did that because now I can go and live in my creation and have people just abuse me and and hurt me horribly and give up all of my abilities um, uh, and, and my throne in heaven for this time, for that. So that this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Instead, he looks at it and says, no, I need to do this for them because th- they didn't get it in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that it, it was theirs and and now I'm I'm bringing it back. Um yeah. well, and, and that's the thing when you look at the the flood account. You know, you, you have that line that that people object to so often that God was grieved that he made mankind. And and they look at that and they think, "Oh, well God changed his mind." And it's no, he didn't. He knew from the beginning that it was going to hurt. Yep. He understood that. He was willing to go through that because he loved us. Yeah. He didn't need the hurt. The the hurt never had any bearing on him. Yeah. But because he loved Noah, because he loved us, he was willing to bear with that. He was willing to be patient. He was willing to endure for our sake. He didn't change his mind. He went into it knowing, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to endure the sins of people because of what I'm going to get out of it. And and so Jesus, who for the joy set before him, scorned the shame of the cross. And that joy set before him is an eternity spent in heaven with us. Yeah. And and I think, you know, uh, tied with that, with that verse that you, you say, you know, let's go to, to Paul's, words in his second letter to the Corinthians, right? And he he just, because it all started, this whole idea of dualism started in the garden when we were misled, thinking that we needed to know, we needed to know evil so that good could be, right? We needed to know evil so that we could understand the good. And, and what does Paul say? God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that you might become the righteousness of God, right? Um, so the one who knew no sin and, and he was fine, (laughs) he, he, he did, he was fine, um, became sin for you, became your sin, my sin, everyone's sin. So that now we would be called righteous. That righteousness is ours. The righteousness of Christ who knew no sin, right? Um, what a, what a great and marvelous exchange took place. Um, and it's not be sin can't stand in the light of Christ. It just can't. And, and, and it, it's not as powerful as him. It, it, it doesn't weigh on the scales. It's, it's, a, it's a blip on the radar, um, in the sense of, of God has conquered it already in Christ Jesus. And he did it not because he has a, a need for it to exist for him to be great. It's because he is great and you need him to conquer it for you. And, and so he does. Yeah, I, I, I still think it's a problem. Um, like we had said before, you know, it dualism tries to tear down the cross. It, it tries to erode Christianity into thinking that God is a pawn in this game that he has to play, and, and he's not. Um, so I think uh, it, if you are ever in a situation where you're ever in a church or we ever, we'll ever find yourself kind of even thinking, I had to go through these things so that this would be, those are those are faulty thinkings. No, you did not have to go through pain and agony and all those things so that you would be where you are. Pain and agony comes because we are sinners. It's in the world because we introduced it into this world. Um, God conquers that. He is not held sway by it. He is. He doesn't have to play that game. Um, he is above it, beyond it, and gives uh, so immeasurably more than what we could ever ask for. And so he is good and gracious. Any closing remarks that you might have uh, to 
bamboozle and wow the people. I'm just going to throw out the holy angels. There, There is not a single holy angel in heaven confirmed in their righteousness who is thinking, boy, I think it'd be nice to sin. See if I could try that out for a minute. They don't want to experience it. They're happier where they are. And with that, we thank you for joining us as we've started this uh, this kind of adventure of, you know, uh, what is the difference anyway? And we looked at our, our first difference, uh, this idea of dualism and how it infects everything in the world. Uh, it even has its little grubby hands in the church, and hopefully you have... Uh, in some way, learned a little bit on how to notice that so that you can help avoid that and help guide other peoples to avoid that and, and point them to Christ who, who is above it all and appoint them to Christ who has conquered all uh, for them because he loves them and wants to give everything to them as he had intentionally done there in creation. And so uh, with that, we will invite you to join us next week. Uh, we'll be back for Beyond the Sermon on Tuesday. Hopefully, we will be joined with uh, Pastor Dave Rudat. Hopefully, all of his medical procedures and his health will be good enough that he'll be able to join us. And then uh, Tuesday or uh, Thursday, we'll be back again for um, whichever, either another one of our What's the Difference Anyway, or you had a couple of good ideas that were, were tossed out for the hopper. Uh, and so maybe we will we'll surprise you with something That'll be a, a better conversation than one I can come up with. And so uh, we invite you to join us for those. Until then, God's richest blessings, and may the Lord ever be with you as he stands above the world doing all things for your good.